Welcome to No Diagnostic Required, a brand new show about what's happening in the world of C++. We're going out as a YouTube stream as well as an audio podcast, and you can consider this the companion to the C++ annotated newsletter that we've been running for quite a long time now. So I'm Phil Nash, developer advocate at JetBrains, and I'm joined by my co-host Anastasia Kazakova, product marketing manager at JetBrains. So we will, of course, mention some JetBrains products along the way, but this is really about general news on the C++ scene. So how are you, Anastasia? I'm doing good. Kind of stick to my green wall and missing the conferences. I have ACCU 2019 t-shirt and I'm really missing the conferences a lot. And you? Definitely missing the conferences, although I seem to have also managed to burn out on conferences this year. A lot of them have, uh, have moved online and I seem to have been involved in all of them. One yeah, trying another. to do all the things in parallel, the conferences and all the family stuff. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. In fact, um, one last week, uh, ADC, the Audio Developers Conference, they actually started UK time uh, in the evening. And I think that was partially to allow for people to work during the day and partially to uh, to catch the US audience as well. But it, it works, but it's a lot of, a lot of stress. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Well, hopefully we'll get back on track next year at some point. But uh, we'll, we'll deliver that news when it arrives. So talking <laughs> of news, I have a um, uh, slide deck here, which I'll, I'll bring up. Ah, there it is. So for those of you watching the stream, you can see them here. What I'm going to try and do is add these slides into the to the podcast as well. So if you're using a podcast player, that and show uh, chapter art, this slide should come up there. So, No Diagnostic Required is the name of the show. As I say, this is really the companion to C++ Annotated. We're going to cover much the same material, so you can choose how you best want to consume it. And we're going to cover, said November, but uh, this is a, because it's our first one, uh, it may be a bit more disjointed than usual. Now, talking of new podcasts, there seem to be a few new C++ podcasts since... CPPcast a few years ago uh, became the, the very first C++ podcast, followed a couple of years ago by CPP Chat. Uh, in the last month, we've we've actually had two more, three now. Uh, we've had uh, TLB Hit with the uh, the nice URL TLBH.it, ADSP, which is um, well, ADSPthepodcast.com, and then of course us. Uh, you could consider us NDR if we want to go for the fashionable acronym. No diagnostic required, which is uh, another C plus plus term. Uh, and I believe there's at least one other podcast that's just yeah. There as well. is actually one missing here, uh, but it's kind of in Russian. So if you do speak Russian, uh, you can actually listen to it. It's pure virtual cast done by the program committee of the C plus plus Russia conferences. So we so we were so bored during the season. So we decided to run it weekly and not just around the conference. Right. So since it's pure virtual and it's in Russian, for most of it, that's probably going to be a bit abstract. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> so uh, TLB hit, you may be wondering what that actually means. And now in episode zero, sorry, episode one, which is the second episode, because of course it starts from zero, they spend the first 23 minutes building up to an explanation of what it actually means. So if you want to find out, you actually need to go and watch it. And then the, the ADSP is um, so algorithms plus data structures equals programs, what that stands for. A little bit more accessible uh, and 
yeah, great coverage of, uh, well, algorithms and data structures, as, as it says. So do check those out. And yeah, actually, like I would like to say that TLB, uh, it has one very big benefit, at least to me, over the uh, many other things. It has a great script you can read through with the timing. So you can actually jump to the particular place of the uh, audio just at the very proper timing, just reading through the other things. And it's actually great. I enjoyed it a lot. I'm missing these timestamps for many podcasts. Yeah, no, that, that is good. And especially where they do talk about source coding, you can see that all there in line. Yeah, yeah. Think of it almost like um, a slide deck for the for the show because it's like in bullet points. It works pretty well. Yeah, I'm not good listening to the code. I'm like, I usually <laughs> prefer to read it. Um, so, but with the podcast, yeah, it's kind of hard, but yeah. So great month for new C++ podcast, apparently. Now, we also have some um, more hardcore C++ news. So the the ISO uh, standardization committee uh, obviously haven't really been meeting for most of this year, not since Prague in February. Uh, usually we would meet um, three times a year. Um, and first, the the Bulgarian event in uh, Varna was, was cancelled because of the pandemic. And shortly after, they even cancelled the, the next one, which I think would have been around now in uh, New York. So... They actually help. Well, they've been holding regular uh, telecon calls, um, Zoom sessions, lots of emails. Everything, of course, has moved online. Everything has continued just at a bit of a slower pace. But they actually held their first uh, plenary session just a week or two ago, I think it was. So usually at the end of a week of the, the committee meeting, there'll be a plenary session where everyone gets together and they actually vote, uh, have official votes on what's going to be motioned to be adopted into the standard. And you can't actually get stuff in without the plenary. So it's the first plenary we've had since February. Uh, we actually finally got some new features into what's going to be C++23. Um, there's also a new uh, study group announced, SG22, which is going to be all about the um, uh, interaction between the C++ standardization process and the C standardization process. Obviously, C++ started out as a superset of C, but they've sort of evolved on their own paths over the years, and they have actually diverged a bit. And in some many cases, unnecessarily so. It's just been a case of you know people not talking to each other. So the last few years has been much more of a, a push to, to get us back onto a convergent path where, where we can. And this study group's all about that. So that's going to be hopefully um, quite a nice uh, new study group. Uh, we also have a new editor so there's an editor of the the standard as a paper uh, for years it's been uh, richard smith has uh, been uh, many a joke but the only person that knows all of c plus plus is, is richard smith uh, well apparently now there's going to be another one and that's um uh, thomas uh, Cooper. i think not sure exactly how his name is pronounced uh, sorry thomas but he's going to be the new editor uh, richard is going to carry on as a like an assistant editor or a backup editor uh, at least um uh, for now so that's a really big role so um uh, congratulations, but also good luck to to Thomas uh, for that. I wanted to just drill a little bit more into the the new features that have been adopted into the standard. There's there's a few actually, mostly fairly small ones. But the first one is it's also it's a tiny feature, but it's also uh, a really big feature. It's big because it's related to the the type that holds the the biggest thing that you can hold in memory, size T. Until now, we haven't had a literal 
used, well, not used to define literal, but a, a literal suffix for uh, numeric literals that will be a size t. So this proposal gives us that, not just for the unsigned size t, size t itself is unsigned, but also for the signed form. What's interesting about that is we don't actually have a type for that, but we already have a literal. So that's quite interesting. And there's a bit of a, an, an evolution of the paper. It's actually been through, I think, eight revisions. For something so small, that's a lot of revisions. And one of the reasons for that is there's been lots of backwards and forwards over whether the, the sign form should actually be um, uh, pointed diff t, and in, in the end it was determined not to be, and there may be some alternate suffixes, suffixes coming later for that. We've also, the name uh, changed a few times, and in the end they've gone with uz, but also zu. You can actually do it either way. And it will be the same for the pointed if T ones as well. So quite a lot of uh, in- interesting stuff. Yeah, that's exactly the point I actually didn't get. So maybe you can like tell me the trick. What's the mnemonic? Like how to memorize what these suffixes are actually stand for? Because I read through the paper twice and both times I didn't manage to remember the proper suffixes. Yeah, well, um, the, the paper is a bit confusing because of that evolution. Um, and it's not everywhere completely clarified. So I actually reached out to uh, John Hibbanid, the author, uh, to to check this and yeah he said he's going to try and do another update on the paper just to clarify all of this but yeah they decided that the I mean the u part of the suffix obviously means unsigned but it can go either before or after the z uh, and for the for the pointed diff t which I think t is going to be the suffix it'll be u t or t u so you can use it either way around you just get to to choose I suppose. It's something like const west and whence const. What's going on there? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah we can have uh, unsigned east and west unsigned, I suppose. Yeah, probably that would help with the naming. Yep. <laughs> okay. Uh, we also got, finally got, string contains. And I say finally, on the, the Reddit thread that, uh, that links to, to Herb's um, trip report, I think one of the first comments, maybe even the first comment in there is, finally, uh, C++23 contains, string contains. It was interesting. So obviously this is just to see whether a string contains another substring. You've always been able to do this with find, but it's never felt quite right. It's always been a bit verbose and not quite what your intention is. So finally, something that actually captures your intent for uh, quite an often used uh, string feature. Again, there's a bit of confusion on the Reddit thread as to what this applies to. It's a string or basic string as well as, well as string view. They both get this. So that's nice. And is it case sensitive? I don't think so by default. Um, I didn't look into it enough to see whether there's a, a predicate that you can... So wondering, yeah, if you, know, you could to, tell it to be the case sensitive or case insensitive. That yeah, would be interesting. Um, I can't say definitively not, but I don't think so. You have to check that for yourself. Exercise left to the reader. <laughs> yeah, let's left it to the listeners. And we've actually added a, a stack trace facility to, to the language, which is uh, say a bit of a bigger feature. So now when an error occurs, you can you can attach a, a stack trace to it so that you can see uh, exactly where you are. Something which has, again, often been added by third-party libraries, which have always been a bit suspect in how they work and very platform dependent. So definitely nice to have a standard way to do that. Again, I haven't looked into the details of that, but um, something to uh, to watch for. 
Um, another tiny one is uh, is scoped enum. So we've had is enum as a, a trait uh, since uh, C plus plus eleven at least I think, and now we can tell whether it's a scoped enum. That's the um, enum class variety. So you can distinguish that, which can be useful. And finally, again, getting back to this um, collaboration with the, the C standardization process, C has atomics and C++ has atomics. They are mostly the same with some differences. You can't quite implement one in terms of the other, although I believe some uh, implementations do, do try to do that. So this is just an effort to, to unify that so that you can implement C atomics in terms of C++ atomics or vice versa. So yeah, just one of those things that just tidy things up a bit, tidy up some loose ends. That's quite nice. So nothing too earth shattering, but considering we're just starting C++ 23 and we've, we've had the backdrop of the pandemic and a complete change in, in how we work, I think this is um, a, already quite a nice start to, to C++ 23. Any other thoughts, Anastasia? Um, like I was recently listening to CBBcast, I guess it was the episode with Connor. They were discussing this very report and the interesting point they raised up was like, uh, many people are currently asking like if the standard should slow down because like the C20 is big and we have all these pandemic situations. So should we really do that hard job trying to fit everything we want for C plus plus twenty three. Should we really stick to the shadow? Um, like I see this fantastic job like on this slide, and I see many goodies uh, which are planned for twenty three. But maybe that's a point of a sense as well. Like should we maybe do something like C plus plus fourteen and clean up the C plus plus twenty a little bit, or should we go for bigger things still as we plan to? That's an interesting point. I don't have a clear answer here. So it's good that the committee still proceeds um, to the some kind of regular work, not really regular because they don't have in-person meetings and like, yeah, not the, like as with previously when they have this full week, when they were meeting in person, discussing many things and resolving many issues. Right now they have like all these telecons and this huge, I guess, Zoom call for, for a day. Um, I'm not sure. So if we can deliver a C++ 23 that way, uh, following the regular shadow, that would be fantastic. But should we really do so or should we like slow down? That's a good question. Would be interesting to know what the people think in the community. Yeah, I think that there are two types of people in the C++ world. There's th those that think that the C++ committee are going much too fast and then those that think that the C++ committee are going much too slowly. I don't think there's anybody in, the, in between. But it yeah, <laughs> that's how those things are. But I, I definitely have heard, and I think, yeah, maybe, maybe it was just from that CPP cast episode that there is this this feeling of well, let's spend a bit of time concentrating on some of the some of those things that we don't get to otherwise. You know, just tidying things up, um, you know, loose loose ends, that sort of thing. So I don't I don't know whether that's more of an organic thing or whether there is a change in the planning. So I've not been keeping up recently with the. Um, with the committee process. So I know there was a, a big plan drawn up. You know, these are the things we're going to work on for C++23. Uh, I don't know whether that's officially been adjusted at this point. Probably not. But I think there's definitely a feeling that, yeah, we may not get to the bigger things. Yeah, but it would be interesting to see how they're going to proceed with the big features. Like, these are, like, nice small additions, very valuable, uh, but 
would be interesting to learn how they're going to proceed with reflection, for example. Um, So, yeah, would be nice. Yeah, I suspect reflection uh, and maybe pattern matching and some of the other bigger features that we've been really hoping for in 23 uh, may not come. They're going to be worked on, though. And if they're if they're ready, then they'll they'll be on the train. That's how the train model works. So, yeah, we're, we're not going to be ruling anything out, but I think we are going to have to let go of some of the bigger things for twenty three. Given how big twenty is, I'm not sure that's that that bigger deal. Like some some of the things that got into twenty are language features that are missing some of the the library support, uh, particularly um, coroutines, but also to some extent ranges. Well, with library that's missing some additional libraries. Hopefully, we'll, we'll get much more rounded out support for those uh, ahead of anything else. Because right now, you know, we're, we're not getting the full benefit of some quite big features already. So, if we get those, at least it's going to be a, a nice rounded out release. In any case, we've already got started. So that's uh, yep, that's nice a good start. Actually, I would say, hmm. yeah, impressive start. Yeah. So, talking of C plus plus twenty. Modules, big part of that, but support has been a bit slow. So I think you wanted to talk a, a bit about this. Yeah, like Visual Studio announced the model support, uh, which is kind of great. Uh, but there are like several concerns there. Like first off, like what they announced is only working for like Visual Studio for MS Build for Microsoft Compiler. So it doesn't work for like CMake, for example, which is supported in Visual Studio. And talking about the CMake, like there is this very popular ticket in the CMake Jira or what they have for the uh, like feature requests about the modeless support. And so it's still not there. Like GCC Clang, uh, Microsoft Compiler approaching, I would say like a different speed, but still going into the direction of the modeless support. CMake is still way behind. So it still doesn't have any abilities for the modelers. I'm not sure when it's going to come to CMake. And that makes me feel that quite many developers will be staying away from modelers for a quite long time because like the majority of the C++ developers are using CMake. But Visual Studio Project Model is like the second popular one there. And so it's great to see uh, like Microsoft adding support for Visual Studio. So Right now, you can like create a model uh, model in um, Visual Studio. You can like um, include all these things properly, and you actually have IntelliSense working for the modelers. So, as I got from the blog post, like it has all these uh, basic navigation features working uh, for the modelers. So it's great actually, uh, and it's good to see this uh, movement into this direction. Would be interesting to see how the others are gonna um, follow. Like I read uh, about the GCC 11, uh, which is the target release for modelers for GCC. Uh, maybe not uh, in full, but still they got uh, something you can try, use, and somehow work with. Clank, um, I think, still doesn't have uh, anything like ready to, to really use. And like, yeah, CMake here is kind of slowing down the whole community because quite many people are with the with the CMake um, as their project model as a build system. And as usual in C++, when in an ecosystem you have quite many tools, you have not not a standard uh, build process, not a standard project model, several compilers, like several uh, options for packaging. And you're like waiting for all of them to get for the language feature. 
and we actually need all of them to get for it. Um, and yeah, I do hope that we'll have it, uh, because without that, the, one of the biggest features of C20 will be still unused. Um, and yeah, we'll put this warning as unused feature on it <laughs> and it will be there. But it's kind of sad because there are big hopes for models and uh, the people would like to, uh, to try it out. So. Yeah, big kudos to Visual Studio team who actually uh, started working that direction and managed to achieve such a huge milestone. That's actually great. I'm still hopeful that we're going to get there uh, as, as a community. It's early days. We've only just got C plus plus twenty, and this is a big, big thing for tool vendors to to retrofit. Uh, I think once you got Visual Studio, which it looks like we're getting now, and eventually CMake, that's going to cover sort of 80 to 90% of the, the build tools. And of the rest, I know that most of the, the big ones outside of those two, the, the, the people that actually uh, developed those tools were mostly in the room for, for most of the modules discussion. So I think they are quite, um, quite on board with, with getting that in as soon as they can, even though some definitely have reservations about how it's been implemented. Uh, we, we, we'll get there. And We'll be looking back one day on, hang on, how do we ever live without modules? Yeah, like definitely there's a huge part of work to be done. And like, yeah, it's indeed one of the biggest thing. And we were talking about it for quite a long time, but I think it will be maybe not the latest will get implemented, but somewhere, yeah, way behind the others because exactly because it requires lots yeah. of work and it requires not just the compiler support, but the build system support, the tooling, like the IDE support, everything uh, actually has to be adjusted for the models. And that's the thing. But yeah, once we'll get there. Yeah. In some ways, I consider modules almost a C++23 feature because that's probably the time frame that we'll actually start being able to use it. I do hope so. <laughs> there was some other module news as well. Um, it looks like we may be getting support in GCC 11, although... Last time I heard, which was a week or so ago, that was uncertain, but, but looking promising. So that will be another big big push in the right direction. Yeah, there is some news that they're targeting GCC 11. It's good if they manage to achieve that. I think they mentioned like 25K lines of code <laughs> for the implementation, which is impressive, I would say. Uh, taking that it's not just the code, it's the compiler code. This is impressive to me at least. Um, so yeah, and they say that it's currently under review. Obviously missing some things, kind of even big things, but that's good to see that they are targeting the release so they have some time frame, they have some shuttle and yeah, probably we'll get it there quite soon. Yep, that's hope. Whatever soon means. <laughs> so, okay, you want to tell us about Qt6 libraries in Conan? Yeah, and I would say like, this is not a story just about the content, but again, about the CMake. So it seems like Qt is coming to big Cs, you know, these big Cs like CMake and Conan. Um, and so, yeah, they are coming to this. Uh, so they actually announced that they're delivering uh, several packages uh, via the, like, package manager they're the um something based on conan so it's conan cmake ninja so to build you actually need i guess cmake and ninja and uh so that's funny that they announced that they will be delivering i think it's cute 3d cute image format and cute network authorization libraries and 
there's a really short blog post actually announcing that. So how you can uh, get these libraries via the package manager right now. And one the first question under the blog post is like, hey, I installed the better or whatever they have. And I couldn't find like cute 3D, I guess the question was about it. So where is it? And like, okay, so we just uh, mentioned that we're going to pr- promote that, uh, provide that via the content. So you have to uh, get it via the package manager. But there is one very important point here is that Qt is actively moving into the direction of the CMake. And this is very important. Like I, I do consider this very important because they had QMake and QBS Ragers. They deprecated the QBS and the QMake is still there. But the fact that they now enable CMake in this or that way is very important because it means that CMake is... Uh, probably one of the standard uh, build system, I guess, along with the Microsoft uh, uh, MS builds. So it won't get anywhere from from the ecosystem. But it's good to see that CMake is kind of um, uh, getting into this thing. So yeah, um, that that's the news, and I think it's kind of great. And it's interesting to see that the choice is for Conan. So because you know there is like Conan VC package, so Microsoft is uh, kind of around the VC package because they are uh, contributing into it. They are the offers, and Conan is currently acquired by the JFrog. But uh, that's a very interesting package manager. A little bit going into other directions together with the VC package. So I think they still target different use cases. Uh, and it's like, yeah, you can now try Conan for Qt6, which is great. As you say, I think because they're, they're going with CMake, they have to go with Conan as well to get all the Cs. Yeah, that's kind of connected. <laughs> you got it. Um, so you, you have to get all-purpose Cs, and there will be one more in use about the other C, but a little bit later, I will hold it on. <laughs> okay, look forward to that. <laughs> so here's another C now. Yeah. C line. <laughs> Are you going to talk to us about this release as well? Yeah, since we started talking about the cute and big C, so there is one big C here, which is C-Line, um, and we decided to um, get more into cute support in C-Line, and that's one of the biggest things we're going to have um, just quite soon um, with 2020.3. So uh, we added the cute support, and it's focused all about all around the code. So it just helps you create the uh, Qt project uh, with some uh, Qt project templates, some Qt project files templates, and also completion for slots and signals. So the completion is actually filtered by the uh, only the signal and slot options. Uh, so some just a few nice additions for those who do Qt in C-Line. Obviously, like many people probably prefer Qt Creator as a more natural choice, but now you still can do a lot with C-Line and get some help from it for Qt, not just the pure C++ code, but some Qt specific help. Um, talking about the other things in the release, uh, since we decided to focus on embedded, uh, we decided to add Misra support and it's the coolest thing is that it's actually working inside the editor just in the way uh, the other code analysis checks are working in C-Line. So you just, you know, write the code and you get the check saying like this rule uh, is actually uh, not working here. So uh, yeah, you're breaking this rule here. And uh, there is a list of rules we do support. We still haven't implemented the whole like uh, C++ and C Misra checks uh, we started with. So we still have the whole AutoSAR ahead of us and we're going to do that, I think, in 2021. Uh, we're going to approach that. 
But for now, like it's, I've heard already this feedback who are doing the mystery checks, especially those companies who are in the automotive, who actually they have to go for the uh, MISRA certification. And they say like, okay, we'll go for it uh, in any case. So we'll have to do that. We'll have to pass and get the uh, actual certificate. But it's good to that the um, actual issues are caught ahead while we're in the editor. So we can think about it uh, in advance and fix them now, not when we're going to like push the whole code to the certification. So that was the general idea. And it's good to see that the people actually got the use case. Um, and then two other big things are the unit testing and the C-test support. And we were asked for, I guess, several years already uh, when the C-test support going to join the, um, the C-line ID. And we were staying, uh, like, we were not going into it for quite long, mostly because C-Test, you know, it's not a unit testing framework. They're like Google tests, they're a catch, thanks, Phil. Uh, like, they're a boost test, they're like doc tests and some others. But C-Test, that's the test runner. That's not the actual framework. That's like you can write any program and you can run it as test via the C-Test. So it, it was kind of conflicting with our own building test runner. So we had to fit it properly into the API for the uh, unit testing framework. We managed to do that somehow. So the first version will be in um, 2020.3. There are still a few issues that we do not detect the actual framework inside the C-test. So if you like, for example, uh, launch catch test via the C-line or launch them via the C-test via C-line, it would be kind of different a little bit, but we're going to address that probably next year. So, but yes, still the C-test support is there. And since C-test uh, is this is actually the part of the CMake uh, packaging, I would say. So like CMake, CTest, and CPacket uh, is nearly one thing. So it's just uh, several tools being to built into one tool set. And so CTest is very common for CMake projects. So now you can like run the CTest in C-Line and get the results in the building test runner. So you could say, we heard you like test runners. So we made a test runner for your test runner. Kind of, yeah. We, we were trying to fit the CMake test runner into our test runner. I I kind of think that it was not that smooth, especially in the very beginning, mm. uh, when we were trying to fit one thing into another. But we managed to uh, got to the initial idea, yeah, so that they're kind of very similar. So they have, uh, in essence, they're just about the same. So we just have to um, take the C-test output and put into the our own test runner and fit these both test runners one into each other. We even managed to, you know, get the debugging for the C-test. We're cheating a little bit. We're definitely asking the user which particular test uh, he or she going to debug because, like, when you, like, try to debug several tests at once with the C-test, it's not going to work. But it will ask you explicitly which particular task to debug and like it will show you the pop-up so you can go through it. And talking about the debugger, this is probably like until the very last weeks of the EAP program, which is the Alexis preview for the next version we have, I was thinking that no, we're not getting more debugger feature into the release. I was kind of sad about it because many people were asking about some uh, very huge things. And then in the last few weeks, somehow C-Line 2020.3 it became all about debug. And so it's the core dumps enabled right now, debug with root privileges and like set execution point, uh, nice action similar to what you have in Visual Studio when you can move the execution point for the code during the debug. So, but 
all these things, all these free things like core dumps and debuggers root, as we call this uh, run with root privileges and set execution point, they're actually huge. And for running as root, the team actually made a great job with the thing which we called elevator. And I really enjoyed it because like from the user's standpoint, how it looks like I can use my Apple Watch, say like, okay, I'm going to run this program under root, say, okay, we just, you know, tap in on the Apple Watch. And then for the configured amount of time, I'm not going to enter the password again. I will just be debugging my program. And this is great. So yeah. That's a great elevator pitch. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, and like, because when my program, every time actually my Mac says like, I have to confirm on my Apple Watch that I allow Celine to debug my program. I was like, what? Uh, really? Apple Watch? Why are you asking me about that? Why do you know about that? I'm trying to debug my program in Celine. But now, yeah, I can now forget for, for the default, I guess is 15 minutes <laughs> and you can figure it. You can actually configure it to ask you every time if you like that. But yeah, you can set some period of uh, time when the privileges are somehow stored. So they are not really stored. They are anyway going for the system settings, but still. So yeah, and with all of these things, uh, CLAN 2020.3 is all about debug, a bit of test and embedded, and obviously Qt because like we, we know in advance, we, like, yeah, we knew in advance that Qt is going to move to big Cs. So we've added our C there as well. <laughs> Well, while we're talking about JetBrains products, we also have a ReSharp C++ release coming up as well. What do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, yeah. And I actually would like to say that if C-Line is all about debug, ReSharp C++ 2020.3 is all about the game dev. So I think we're focused about this game dev era a lot right now. And so we've done a fantastic job for underlying developers. So uh, we added the Unreal header tool, which is kind of tool which helps you with some code analysis so it's kind of a linter and now we run it in the background while you're editing the code and you can see the uh, errors and warnings from this tool right in the editor which is great we, we like sh- showing things to you in the editor because uh, the earlier you learn about the problem the more productively you can probably fix it and also we added the control flow analysis checks to our shader support. And it's not only about ReSharper C++, we also added the same for Unity shaders, uh, which is actually like, you know, it's HLSL, so it's about the, the C++, uh, so it's some kind of an extension. Uh, so control flow analysis is actually the analysis when we are uh, tracking the possible execution paths uh, for the function bodies, and we can uh, say some, like we can predict some situations like unreachable code or initialized variables or like some redundant control flow jumps. And we can now do that for shaders. Uh, so for both HLSL and for Unity shader, so it will be available in the writer as well for those who do shaders in Unity. So and yeah, that's why I say that it's all about the game dev. There are more other things there actually for C++, so like to adopt in the uh, the ranges and for comparisons, but I still think that it's a lot about the game dev and it's a huge boost for Unreal Engine. So you heard it here first. The next ReSharper C++ release is going to be Unreal. <laughs> yeah, I probably should use that as a slogan. <laughs> so uh, before we uh, wrap up, um, have a, an end finally section. So there was a... a there was a post on, on Reddit. There was a, a blog post behind it, but the Reddit thread itself was actually quite good. So we'll put that in the uh, in the show notes. The, the title is Stud Visit. Is everything wrong with modern C++? 
And this article just takes you through uh, how you deal with uh, some types in C++. So that's um, mostly std variant, although it does come in other forms like uh, std optional. But how do you actually deal with, with these? And there's lots of different ways to do it. And as they get progressively more useful, they actually get progressively more complicated. And, and in the end, you having to deal with so much complexity to, to get something simple done that in another language would just be a, a few lines of very obvious code. Uh, and that was really the, the whole point of the, you know, this, this representing everything that's wrong with modern C++. And I tend to agree with the headline, but I do think that the article did actually miss a bit of the point. I briefly skipped over the the pattern matching proposal. I mentioned at one point that didn't make it into C++ 17. But as far as I know, that was never on track for 17 or even 20. It was at best hopefully going to be coming for 23, which at the moment is doubtful because of what we discussed earlier, but but maybe that's still, still going to be coming. But yeah, it is coming. And in fact, when it was first proposed, it actually... Um, was preceded by a proposal for a language level variant. So variant itself um, is is a bit tedious to use in C++. But um, the idea was, well, we, we should have a, a variant in the language, not in the library. But before we do that, we should do pattern matching. So that's always been the intention, and that's still on track. So yeah, what we're doing right at the moment is, is more of a stopgap, if you think of it that way. And I think that's everything that's right with postmodern C++ is... <laughs> But we're taking all these things that have become complicated over the years and trying to simplify them. And I know people will say, yes, but by adding more things to the language, you're, you're complicating it overall. But if the end result is you can use C++ to do powerful things in a simple way, I think that's really what C++ is about. So I sort of agree and disagree with this article. But the so the, the thread on Reddit is definitely worth a read as well. Uh, lots more points brought out there. So I think uh, I'll leave you with that. But anything more to say on that, Anastasia? Uh, yeah, I like totally agree. I was also like kind of thinking about that uh, there are like as usual ten ways of doing one things in C And here I always like remember like after reading Titus' book from about the engineering Google when I somewhere on the first pages I found this uh, Hiram's law, which is about like how you can abuse the library APIs that if there is something there will be someone who is using that. And I guess the same applies to the like language. If you have a way to do the thing in some way, someone will be using that way. And probably that's not the best way. And that's probably the language problem. But I do think that the pattern matching might help here a lot. And I also learned about the abbreviated lambdas from the Reddit thread. That was the first uh, solution mentioned there in the first command. And it looks fantastic. It's like so nice and shaped nicely. And I've uh, went for this abbreviated lambdas proposal after that. And I like, yeah, that's what we need to get <laughs> in C++. So probably, yeah, that will save us together with the pattern matching proposal. I think in summary, if, if you really are put off by these things in C++, you're probably listening to the wrong podcast. <laughs> so I think that's uh, that's the wrap for this time. It's our first episode. I think it's gone gone well. What do you think? Yeah, and we'll leave all the people with this nice creature. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we'll see you all, uh, well, all going well next month. Yeah. Thank you. See you.